Okay, welcome to another episode of Minutes with Monks. We have a special guest star today, Dan Sewell, also known as Dan Dan the Real Estate Man. So for anyone who's been in or around Riverside, California the uh, past few decades, they've either met him, seen his signs, bumped into him at an open house, bought or sold with him, or I've seen him up and down downtown Riverside the last couple of years. He's a busy, busy guy. So, Dan, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I know uh, we're going to cover a lot of material in a short period, so let's get right into it. Okay. Tell me your story on how you ended up here in Riverside, California. Well, let's see. I was born a poor child. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, actually, uh, I grew up uh, first, yeah, as a child, actually. I was born in the Appalachian Mountains, uh, southeastern Kentucky, believe it or not. And then my parents migrated to Dayton, Ohio, when I was in the fifth grade, 10 years old, and spent the rest of my uh, high school, grade school, grammar school, uh, middle school, high school years in New Lebanon, Ohio. Hmm. And after I graduated, if you're aware of the economy in Dayton, Ohio, it's pretty much so anywhere in that area. A lot of it's uh, the Rust Belt. And what year was this? That would have been 1971. Okay, so early 70s. Early 70s. Ohio. Ohio. And after graduating, really there wasn't any kind of career that I wanted to pursue in that area. Plus, I didn't want to stay in that area for the climate. Didn't like the climate. The winters were gray. So I joined the um, Air Force, became a computer tech, went to uh, computer training school, repair school, down in Biloxi, Mississippi in 1972. And they only had my computer on three bases, Omaha, Nebraska, Shreveport, Louisiana, and Riverside, California. <laughs> I made that choice pretty easy. Made it pretty easy. Omaha, Nebraska's uh, butt cold, and the uh, Shreveport, Louisiana is sweat, sweaty. Uh, so I chose Riverside and arrived here on January 23rd, 1973. That's amazing. You remember the exact The exact date. day. I remember visually coming in uh, from Palm Desert, driving because uh, we drove from Biloxi to our next, uh, our duty station here at March Air Force Base. And uh, I was in charge of, um, it was all missile defense. I was more of a Cold War uh, representative. We were against those Ruskies. We didn't want the, uh, the missiles hitting us. So that was my job was maintaining the computers. Wow. that uh, were part of the air defense system during that area, era. Okay. And so after real estate, I worked part-time during, uh, actually not real estate, but during the Air Force career, four years, I worked part-time. First sales job was at a flourishing shoe shop in the Riverside Tyler Mall. Oh, man. 21 years old, and I worked there for... Pretty much so full time, but it was a part time title, and that was my first sale or first taste of sales and working with the public, helping people. And then the next year, I worked for Irv Silvers, which was a fine men's European menswear store next door. 
And I got out of the Air Force and go, well, gee, what am I going to do? I like sales. Um, I really didn't love working with computers, repairing, maintaining computers. To me, it was a very boring career. Um, so I decided to go into some kind of field where I help people. And I thought about what kind of sales opportunities there are out there. And I, just, I chose real estate. And one of the reasons I chose real estate with a 23-year-old mindset or perception was that even during recessionary times, they still sell houses. Oh, yeah. um, and that I would probably be able to work as long as I wanted to work as I chose to work forever in my life because I didn't foresee myself as getting any kind of disability sure. uh, as far as physical disability. And so I went to Riverside, what was called Riverside City College at that time, RCC, took all the real estate courses and uh, that they offered, which was six courses. And then I went to work for a company called Claude T. Smith, an independent firm back in August of 1987. And during that era, everything, of course, there were no computers. You got, you received your hot sheets in a box outside the building, the new inventory you received it overnight. Wow. The so more, so the, for some of our listeners who might uh, not be in the real estate industry, or maybe they're newer to the industry, that they have no clue, what are you talking about? So this is the new listings, the new inventory. It's literally delivered like the olden days, like milk on your front porch. It is a box of paper with the list of the new inventory. And a lot of folks listening here, they're going to know some of these stores that you mentioned, that you're at the mall, uh, obviously with the shoes first, then the clothing store, and then Claude T. Smith. I know you and I have had great stories about you know, the 80s and uh, real estate offices here in town. Where was Claude T. Smith? Where was that office located at? Claude T. Smith was located at, what, 3752 Arlington Avenue? Which cross street, roughly? Uh, it's roughly right uh, in between Arlington and Brockton. It's oh, right, right next there. to St. Catharines. Okay. Uh, just down the street, same side as St. Catharines, uh, next to the school, Notre Dame. Wow. Right adjacent to Notre Dame. It was an old firm, independent, started in Riverside in 19... 19- 45 by a gentleman by the name of Claude T. Smith. Wow. And the gentleman that owned it, the broker that owned it when I was hired was a gentleman by the name of Bill Dieterle. Bill Dieterle, self-made real estate uh, success story, Riverside, born and bred. Uh, he was worth, his net worth was probably about 30 million and that goes Come back. Come on. That goes back to probably 1990. Jeez. Well, I know that we've we've talked about that name before and some, some great old stories. What attracted you or what was your draw to go to Claude T. Smith? Or did they reach out to you? They said, hey, here's this young, handsome guy. He's going to come in and set the real estate world on fire. What was the connection there? You're 100% right. No. <laughs> on the handsome part. Uh, <laughs> I've seen some of these old pictures. Pretty uh, impressive, like a actually, like a Ralph Lauren model, uh, just actually, shorter, sort of maybe hopeful. Uh, but actually, it was comfort. Mm-hmm. They offered some education, not a lot. Uh, there's a personal training 
with the uh, broker or the manager, uh, Fred O'Connor, and um, one on one uh, training. And it was really a matter of comfort, feeling comfortable with the agents there. They had about 24 agents. They were like the number three production firm in Riverside at that time. Okay. Now, I've, again, same thing with Fred's name. That's a name that you know, you've brought up before. And you've got some great lifelong friendships from oh, yeah. the very first real estate office back in the 80s. What other names come to mind or some coworkers that, that you connected with there? Oh, there's uh, a grocery list of probably a hundred agents. Uh, I bet you there's yeah, it's probably fifty wow. to hundred agents minimum wow. that are still. Some of those people are still active. Yeah. Uh, even today, of course. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're good grief. Uh, I have to. I mean, one name right now that pops to mind that's still a little bit active is uh, Addie Walker. Mm-hmm. Rich Simonon, I think Rich owns West or uh, West Coast here in town. He started that, um, and a lot of the agents, uh, Scott Hooks. Um, oh, Scott was there too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Scotty Hooks, um, and names like Charlie Bowling, Donna Bowling. Uh, wow. They're they have their own company. Uh, Jerry McIntosh was one of the names. Jerry's no longer around. McIntosh shut down. In 1991, no wait, they sh- they didn't shut down. They, I changed the Macintosh in 1991 from Claude T. Smith. So you went Claude T. Smith, then you went Macintosh. Yeah, because Smith shut down in 91. Okay, got it. And then yeah. after Macintosh, then where where were you off to? After Macintosh, I was hired by uh, a company that I that was new to Riverside. It was actually a corporate type. Uh, franchise type company and the name of that company was Prudential California Realty. Wow and that's for our listeners that's actually where Dan and I first met. That's and where we met in 2001, 2002. Yeah probably 2001 maybe yeah. the end of 01 start of 02 and yeah. you know I've <laughs> I got my license in 98 obviously started selling with you in Riverside um, not too long after that after I was done in Claremont but man what a lucky day for me to get a cubicle assigned right outside of your office where I could learn so many more bad words. Bad words, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of heated conversations I had with, uh, but those were actually with the contractor. Oh, they yeah, no, never with the customer. Related. No, they were always the contractor. They were with a contractor that, um, shall we say, screwed up. Yes. Well, it was a good learning experience yeah. for me, just obviously sometimes when you're new in real estate and obviously uh, maybe that's another level of our connection that I never thought of is I went from selling shoes at Nordstrom to obviously selling houses. So True. we had that similar background, uh, about the same age. I think I was maybe 22, 23 at that time. You were younger. I was uh, 24 when I started. Wow. Yeah. So let's do this. So now it's Prudential California Realty. You're selling a ton of houses. Everything is just rolling right along. Um, I would like for you to share, and it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm scrolling through photos of some of the homes that you've sold, and I recently closed escrow on a home on Glacier. I see here that you sold a home on Glacier back in, I don't know, 2003, so this is 17 years ago, and you have a great photo of oh, this beautiful boy. truck. Yeah. Could you tell the listeners what are, and this is a period that I just really enjoy is, you know, the 1950s, what are two of those great fun vehicles that you had uh, during the same period of time and folks would see you all around town in these two different vehicles. 
Well, actually, yeah, during that, the 2001, the, from 2001 to 2010 or 12, I, my daily driver was either a 1955 uh, Ford F100 that I, of course, totally customized. Yeah, and or a 1956 uh, Chevrolet Bel Air that's now in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, that's where his new home is. But yeah, I drove around classic. I, my thoughts were when I bought those that I specialized in the vintage homes in Riverside, which was my passion. I um, I still love the vintage and classic era homes. And Riverside has so many nice neighborhoods, the Wood Streets, the uh, Colony, the downtown area, um, Victoria Woods, um, that, that reflect all that era. And so that was my passion and that's what I enjoyed selling and that's what I tended to lean towards as far as uh, helping customers, buyers find those homes and helping sellers liquidate those homes. So that was my passion. I loved it and still do. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I definitely appreciate is your passion for the vintage home market and just for educating the customer and showing your decades of knowledge and not just the uh, vintage homes, but all homes. Uh, there's plenty of great Dan Sewell one-liners. We won't go through all of them here, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure some of them might be borrowed from other folks. But one that I use weekly here, especially with the new agents, is you can't sell what you don't see what you don't so, see if you aren't familiar with it uh and houses back to your law your comment about educating clients that was another passion was i wanted my customer base uh when they were buying a house and clients clients being sellers uh i wanted them to be educated so that they could make a an informed confident decision choice uh, whether it was a home they were buying or a home they were selling. And I still believe that you really, really need to spend time with your your customer base and client base uh, to educate them. Spend a few more minutes, walk them through uh, whatever it is, a contract, or and you never leave the table without asking them if there are there any more questions. That's true, because that's you know? something I've heard you say many, many times, not just... Uh, through your doorway when you have a customer at your desk, but on the phone quite often, you'd always finish with that um, final question. Yeah, you got to. have to. In order for anybody to make a an informed decision, you have to educate them. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that if you do not, it's a huge mistake because you're going to open up the door to a potential escrow fallout. Sure. Because if they aren't comfortable and confident and informed, they're, they're going to be a little nervous. Yeah. Well, one thing, um, just looking back at our time together, working together, one uh, fun part or fun memory that I have is, whether it's caravan or just going to lunch, that game of wherever we're driving, we would take the long way, and it would be the Dan Sewell game of, I sold that one, sold that one, sold that one, live there. There, yeah, right. Exactly. So let's let's transition real quick to that. I know you've owned some beautiful homes and done some tremendous work to those properties. But what are what are a few of your favorite homes that you owned? Uh, I know many of them uh, might be the Wood Streets. Yeah. Uh, but if you remember uh, one or two addresses, and this would be great for some of our local listeners that could drive by and 
Uh, they said, well, I'm familiar with that one. I know that Spanish, that Spanish on Magnolia. That's one that comes to mind that was just. That was on the corner of, that was actually my last big remodel, like flip. Um, it's on the corner of um, Oakwood and Magnolia. Nice little Spanish house, uh, two bedroom, and and put in, I put in a new bathroom, removed some walls, opened it up. Uh, to where it's, uh, and, but I also did all the tile work and all the cabinetry in keeping with the air, so it reflects the air in a modern way. Mm -hmm. It opened up the floor plan, and of course that's the style has been for about 15, 20 years now, is to open a house up, uh, the living areas. Uh, that one, and that was the last remodel, I remodeled a condo at the base of Mount Rubido on Maxwell, after that, actually, and did the same thing. Opened up the bathrooms, remodeled kitchens, uh, and before that, there was the, uh, one on Brighton, which was really nice, mm -hmm. uh, a French lady. All these houses, I love the history of all these properties. Like one on Brighton, uh, it was originally owned and built for a French lady, uh, and it was incredibly well built. And it had 13 heirs. I purchased it um, as a probate, and there were heirs in Europe. Jeez. And so it took us six months to close the escrow. Wow. But the good news is the market was going up rapidly. <laughs> Honest, the market was just going, it was going up an easy 1% to 2% per month during that escrow time period. So when I closed escrow, I probably already had. $25,000 to $30,000 worth of equity before I even moved into it. Jeez. Well, let's yeah. actually speaking of that and market change and uh, appreciation and all that, what advice would you have for a, maybe a, a new agent who, like you, obviously is going to be in it for a long, long time? You were in the market in the 80s. You've seen all the changes in the 80s, the 90s, obviously, early 2000s. You were even here for. Uh, the crash in oh, 2008, yeah. 2009. That was the biggest crash that I experienced. And you yeah. you actually sold, for a local bank here, you sold a lot of um, distressed properties. So what advice do you have for a realtor who is looking to make this a career for the next 20, 30, uh, A lifetime career. Mm -hmm. uh, my biggest suggestion right now, because we're in a, a healthy market, it's a nice seller's market right now. Right, low inventory and high demand. The interest rates are fabulous. Um, that's what I think is driving the uh, the buyer demand, of course. Right. But my biggest suggestion for any and all agents, but the ones I like, like you, <laughs> uh, would be to uh, do whatever you can and everything you can to develop uh, what's called an REO account. Or a real estate owned account, which is a repo account mm -hmm. for that transitional market because during after that crash or even before that crash started, like James said, I had uh, an REO account and literally folks, all I had to do and all I did do was answer the phone once or twice a week, get a new piece of inventory, price it properly, competitively, and I would have multiple offers on it. Um, and the reason that you can do well, the only way that you can, in my opinion, that you can do well 
during a recessionary market is if you have one or two REO accounts. And uh, at that point, uh, you're the person that's making an excellent living and you're in control in the sense that you're choosing the offers that come in right. uh, and selecting for your client and uh, your seller. And that's probably the biggest recommendation for the long haul. Okay. Now you've seen a lot of agents come and go and I think one um, great uh, idea that you shared with me long ago is strong relationships with agents at every company. There's no reason not to get along with everyone and you've got friends at every company across town and I still have people today that when I do business with them, they, they, they ask about you and they check on with you, check in with me about you because they were your friends in the 80s. They were your friends in the 90s. And, and they, they still are. They still are. They may be a little more active in the business, but their care and concern for you is paramount. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, not too long ago, you had some, some pretty scary uh, medical news. Uh, what, what was that news? Oh, I didn't think we were going to talk about that, but since we have, or uh, you brought it up, uh, I had some stomach pains on July 22nd of 2016. That was a Friday, right here at Windermere, uh, when I was at Windermere. But anyway, uh, I said to myself, you know, if you have this stomach pain tomorrow, why don't you go to the ER? That would have been a Saturday. I went to ER on Saturday, didn't really have the stomach pain anymore, but I thought I needed to have it checked out. The good news is for me that uh, Dr. David Taylor, who was the ER doctor on staff that day, nice guy, but in, he did a uh, CT scan. And I'm sitting there in the, on my bed uh, in my little private room, and he comes back in. This is after a couple hours. And of course, he had a somber face on at that point. He said, I got some bad news. Um, you, the x-ray show or the CT shows that you have a five-layer centimeter growth on your uh, pancreas that has necessitized into your liver. So on Saturday, July 23rd, two days before my first grandbaby came into the world, uh, I was informed that I had stage four pancreatic cancer. And my initial reaction that day was, when you hear the phrase pancreatic cancer, you think kiss of death. And for a lot of peaks, uh, folks, sadly, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, there are two types. And uh, the good news is for me, after a month of just like total shock, because you're going to shock when you hear that kind of news. Um, and I was 63 years old at that time. I'm 67 now. And folks, I'm doing well. I've had surgery at City of Hope. I'll pitch City of Hope. Uh, if you ever have a friend or a family member that has any form of cancer, send them to City of Hope. It's one of it's a, it's the top, in my opinion, in my experience, mm -hmm. uh, in Southern California. There are some other good ones. Uh, UCI, UC Irvine Medical, and uh, UCLA, and uh, possibly USC, and Loma Linda, of course, for certain things. But, uh, yeah, you want to be with a pro-pro and a very, very progressive 
uh, cancer research uh, campus, and that's City of Hope. So now, obviously, looking back at that time, I think the reason I bring it up is because your attitude then and even now, the best energy, the best attitude, and something that was really, really important for me. And um, I'm just happy to be able to sit here with you today and uh, catch up on some things. But something that was um, really great was the power of Facebook because we could actually see you we could see you smiling. We could see you checking in. We could see you taking those crazy selfies in front of the fountain there, and you're you're going there for your treatment, or you're getting out, or you're going back, and it just consistently had one message, and that was your smile, and you just led with that. And that's what? thanks, James. I'm uh, I appreciate it. I uh, I have great great friendship and support from friends like you uh, that care and love me and I love them back. And uh, I, you know, I'm very, very thankful for the support that uh, I get from my, my, believe it or not, Facebook community. I mean, I know that my circle of support is genuine. Right. Uh, and I have so many dear friends uh, and that comment, and they support me. Uh, every time they comment, and they, they want to know how I'm doing, and I let them know. And, uh, yeah, I'm just very, very appreciative of the support that, I, that you have given me and continue to give me. We appreciate what you do for us and what you're teaching us. And I think it's, it's, it's amazing, but really you could survey any group of Folks, whether it's Riverside, California, or anywhere else in the entire world, someone has someone that they care about that's been impacted by cancer. Oh, yeah. And um, every yeah. situation is different, but I can tell you this, looking back at the last few years and being able to um, see you continue to just love life every day. I do. I, I, I still have an optimistic, happy outlook on life. I've never been a poor me. And I might as well say this right now. Like, you have a poor me type of perception. Goldsmith's not the right group for you. <laughs> yeah, if you're a negative uh, Nancy, yeah. just keep doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, don't come you don't want to be in real estate. Because real estate takes a, requires a lot of uh, positive outlook. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a fallout in, um, in the morning or in the afternoon. But it's a fallout. The world's not ending. You just... The ball fell or dropped or whatever, but you pick it right back up and you keep going. And uh, that's when it can become fun. When it becomes fun is when you start getting the referrals and you know that uh, they're, the reason you, you or, or she removed uh, or received the referrals, very simply, is because of the quality of work and the care that you gave as a person mm -hmm. to your client. Absolutely. So, yeah, so... No uh, poor me attitude in, in our industry. Yeah, and I think yeah. another great one-liner that I know I've learned so many from you, but the uh, <laughs> the idea of it's real estate, it's not heart surgery. It's no, not, no one no. is dying today. Yeah. It's not that bad. And like you said, you could have a fallout at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. You get a call, hey, come list my house. We're ready to move. So it's a, it's a funny business, and obviously you are a – hilarious individual and people are drawn to you. I think 
Maybe. Oh, that's, oh, let me interrupt you. Sure. You have to have a good sense of humor. Oh, my goodness. If yes. you don't have a good sense of humor in the sense of enjoying life and enjoying the, the little nuances uh, that humor can deliver um, to yourself and to your clients and friends, yeah, because you do want to be able to have that commonality that humor delivers sure. joint humor if you uh, i'm not saying being a jokester but having a good sense of humor like the guy across the table from me uh it pays well i know again just in summary there's so many people that will be listening that have had uh, the experience whether it's still going on or it's in the past of having a loved one that's been diagnosed with cancer all different types yeah uh, and just that mindset piece was so important thank you for sharing that and you know, many, many people in this business have, have gone through a lot of traumatic things in their life, and they, they have the personal trauma, they have business trauma, and uh, I can tell you, you're the only realtor I know who, when going through your treatment and your medical challenges, had both of your ex-wives there and positive. <laughs> it was, it well, really should true. become a TV show is what it should become, because that is just a testimony to the great uh, ladies that they are, but also the great man that you are. So Yeah, they both have great character. They're great individuals uh, in their own right. And they're, they're just great people. And uh, they reached out to me yep. to help me. See, and that's, and, uh, that's, that's just, huge. That's, that's yeah. Dan Dan, the real estate man. He is loved by all. So in summary, again, we appreciate you listening with uh, Dan Sewell, Dan Dan, the real estate man. And again, uh, tune in next time for another episode of Minutes with Monks.